Hey there, and welcome to Upfront, a podcast that features conversations with Connecticut-based top performers who represent the very best in their field and how they are making an impact in their industry and here at home in Connecticut. Thanks for listening. Ah, there's nothing like a cup of coffee. Hot, iced, cold brewed, black, with cream, without cream, sugar, no sugar, however you like it. If you're really into coffee, like I am, then you know there's all kinds of interesting things about coffee that goes just beyond the cup. There's the whole process of roasting, the quality of beans, the region of the world where it comes from, and the different flavor profiles coffee can have that includes floral or fruit notes, candy accents, or hints of chocolate and toffee. There's a lot to a cup of coffee. So let's talk coffee. Jeff Brooks, co-owner of Give Coffee with his wife Emily, has traveled the world and worked overseas on several extended occasions, especially with those in need. When they returned to the United States, they asked themselves, how can we connect people and resources with the many needs we see abroad and here locally at home? Coffee became their answer. After visiting friends who owned a coffee company with a philanthropic purpose in Kentucky, they were inspired by the idea that a great cup of coffee can be tied with a bigger cause and purpose. Jeff, a coffee lover himself, began tinkering around and roasting in the fall of 2011, and voila, Give Coffee was born. Today, they own a roasting facility and cafe in Canton, Connecticut. They travel the world, working closely with farmers to source the best beans. They also seek fairly traded beans, which means farmers get their fair price for their crop. Above all else, Give Coffee gives back to those in need by supporting charitable causes with proceeds from each bag of coffee sold. Jeff Brooks is also a man of deep faith and someone who's overcome great challenges. We'll learn about this in this episode as we talk about growing up in the Farmington Valley, life in Colorado as a forest ranger, what inspires him, and how he runs a growing coffee company. So get a fresh cup of coffee or a beverage of your choice, and let's get up front with Jeff Brooks. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So before we get to today, um, we're going to go back in time and, you know, want to learn a little bit about you as a person and all the the things that have helped make you who you are today. Um, Tell me, uh, where did you grow up? Um, So I was actually born in uh, Texas and lived in West Texas, Midland, actually, um, until I was five and then spent, uh, we moved to Connecticut uh, at about that time. And I grew up in Farmington, actually in Unionville. Oh, Unionville. Uh, I, I know that well, like the, the, the Fireman's Carnival, right? The, the fireworks every yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> Men things. George's Pizza, you know, all the, all the yes. excitement. Yes, the excitement of Unionville, Connecticut. And I actually go to Unionville um, 
to get my hair cut, but I also go there to uh, not only the fireworks, but there's a, a the Farmington River um, bike trail that I, I pick up there and, and ride that. So Absolutely. You grew up in Texas. Do you have any memories of growing up there? Um, not a lot. Um, my mom did it, led a, uh, a daycare. And so we were just part of that. So, um, I guess my, my biggest memory is actually that one time, um, she would load up all the kids in the car and, and take us to different places. And there were so many of us back when you didn't have to have a seatbelt for everybody. And, uh, she, she, um, ended up accidentally leaving me behind at the house. <laughs> oh boy. Sure, but it, it was kind of like, that was the day, you know, there's a lot of us around, a lot of kids, uh, in our house. And I think that was one of my biggest memories was just being a part of that. But Yeah. Sounds like the precursor to home alone, right? Yeah. You were left behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, she forgot to do uh, the, uh, the check-in, you know, like everybody say your name and that you're in the car. <laughs> right. Roll, roll call before we get rolling. Um, West Texas, I mean, a lot different from Connecticut. So you're like five. I mean, I, you know, it's weird when you think about your childhood. I have like some vague memories. The earliest memories I have are like at two years old, a couple of memories. But if you asked me to remember what it was like at five years old, I have no idea. So I, I, I can understand where you're coming from on that. But when, when you get to Connecticut or growing up, um, I mean, I'm a Connecticut boy too. What would you say growing up in Farmington or Unionville was like? It was really good. Um, I went to Union School. I actually started at um, over at East Farms, uh, which is closer to the mall, the, uh, the West Farms Mall over there. But um, I think in first grade, I switched to Union School and – I had a really amazing experience there with uh, the gym teacher. His name is David Avezi, and he's kind of like renowned in Farmington um, because he was just over the top. And so um, we played sports every morning. We, you know, we actually went to school. We went to before school, they called it. And we all learned how to play floor hockey and basketball. And like, so every day was just like, a lot of activity in sports and um, uh, it was just a very different experience than a lot of other people had. Like I talked to my wife about it. She's like, I did not have that experience at my school. And so I think um, some of that, like, you know, is, it was really different and um, special and it was a really good school. There's really good teachers um, that set a good course uh, for me being in education, but also in, in sports. So sports dictated a lot of my life, uh, playing soccer in the, the rec leagues and in the travel teams, um, you know, year round and, um, also participating in, you know, whatever active thing I could get my hands on. So, mm. yeah. What other sport? So you played soccer. Did you play any other sports? So in um, at that school, the way David Avezi ran it was we it was sort of seasonal, and um, so we would play everything there. So and that was what was cool. Like 
we did track, we did gymnastics. He would like lay out the whole gym in this crazy gymnastics setup um, with like legit equipment and teach us. Uh, we would do floor hockey, basketball, track and field. We were all huge on this thing called Hershey track. I don't know if you remember that. Trying to, uh, you would, you would compete regionally and then move on and hope to compete in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, so it, it was kind of everything, but soccer was definitely the, the primary for me. You're here in Connecticut, you know, um, you had mentioned you had a lot of uh, kids in the house. I'm assuming lots of brothers and sisters. Yeah, so it, it was, uh, I have an older sister and a younger, or an older sister, a much younger sister, and then a, a closer younger brother. Um, so, uh, but it was also like she was doing daycare. That's part of the thing. So there's all mm. kids that she was watching, um, and including us. But uh, yeah, so it was the three of us when we were in Connecticut, just my sister and my brother, my older sister and my younger brother. And, and what did your parents do for work when they were here in Connecticut or what did they do anywhere for work really? Um, so I lived here with my stepdad and my mom and my, my stepdad worked in, um, various like, uh, heating jobs, like cleaning commercial boilers, installing them like, um, HVAC type stuff. Yep. Yep. Know it well. My brother and father do it. Yeah, and so, like, I remember his hands were always, like, super <laughs> big and black, you know, like, <laughs> they never were unstained, you know. <laughs> yeah. But he, um, yeah, he worked really hard, and uh, uh, eventually um, switched over more to, um, like, manufacturing and design type stuff. Mm. the manufacturing fields around Connecticut, um, worked at a place called Inertia Dynamics for a while. So he he's really uh, amazingly smart and um, really good with his hands. And so that was a big, big part of my childhood was learning how to fix things, make things, um, uh, kind of like he relieved a lot of the fear of mechanics, I would say, like... I don't have, I'm not concerned about tearing something apart um, and figuring out how to fix it and work with it, um, which ends up being a big part of my, you know, why coffee has been a good fit because there is a lot of equipment and mechanics associated with it. Uh, Absolutely. Which is not what people think, you know, typically people are like, oh, to be a barista or a coffee person, you know. Right, right. They don't understand all the other work that goes into it. Right. Yeah, the machines are complex and um, very industrial, especially our roasters and um, all of that stuff. So it's a weird blend that I'm in of uh, industrial work and retail, but the retail has a lot of equipment you know, that needs to be kept up and um, mm. tuned just right. And so um, that's a big deal. So that, that's what my dad did. Um, my mom, uh, my mom had actually worked for this company, this woman, it's a, a doll company in Litchfield called Susan Joaquin, um, which is, uh, like a world or maybe not world, but nationally famous doll maker. 
um, yep. for collectible dolls, and she made clothes for the dolls. So she's a mm. seamstress. Um, her background is actually, um, she got her degree at Texas Tech in um, home economics and then went on to, for a master's in child development. Um, and so she uh, taught us food, um, constantly baking, always showing us how to bake, how to cook. Um, every morning we would sit down in the morning and she would make us a breakfast. Um, it was like a rotation, you know, pancakes, waffles. And she was making all of these things constantly. And so, like, the idea of, from her that, you know, uh, was was cooking and uh, yeah. very early on like that was just part of our our day-to-day -day, tasting trying you know it also carries forward for me but um she also taught us how to sew which was unusual but um <laughs> but important <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> or it can't it can be <laughs> yeah. but again just like a lot of um and then she was an unbelievable uh, you know uh budgeter um, very like good with money, tight, uh, wise. Mm. The home economic side of what she did um, was amazing. Um, yeah. Just she taught us uh, just incredible things about you know cost management um, and uh, maybe almost she was over the top a lot of times. You know, <laughs> she was the type of person that would would open a. a a stick of butter and then, um, uh, use it. And then instead of just throwing the wrapper away, she would scrape it with a, with a rubber spatula to make sure that all of the butter was utilized <laughs> every mm. time. Or if we finish the peanut butter jar, she's always, she always uses those rubber, um, spatulas to scrape stuff out. Yep. Yep. Never waste. And, um, <laughs> That was interesting. And she's actually, she actually right now is um, baking for us uh, for the last two years. She's been our production baker in the cafe. Oh, that's very cool. Which has just been really neat to come full circle and to work with her now. Uh, yeah. has been oh, special. Yeah, that's amazing. And you don't have to worry about any product being wasted. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah, she's always, <laughs> she always will say something. I'm like, just let it go, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It sounds like your parents, uh, you know, the, the best of both worlds, right? The, it's funny when you look back on things and connect the dots to where you are now. It's like, hmm, I learned that from dad and I learned that from mom. Mm. And it kind of brings you to where you are. Um, but you, you went to farming. Did you go to Farmington High School or, or you, what was the name of the high school again? So... I went actually to a private school in West Simsbury called the Master's School, which okay. um, yep. I did that. I was there for my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And then I finished, or I did my senior year at Farmington High School. Okay. Yeah. And what what happens after that? Like, did you go off to college, or what, what were your plans after high school? After high school, I went to Colorado State University, which is where... Um, so my my dad um, was in uh, Colorado for most of my life, and I'd mm -hmm. visit him for uh, vacations. You know, so I'd go out there about three times a year. 
summers, you know, like, uh, in the different breaks. Um, and so I ended up going to school out there, uh, because I wanted to, it's kind of lame, but like I, I, I was hiking one day and I enjoy the outdoors a lot. And I saw a park ranger on a mountain bike and I was like, that seems like a really cool job. Um, and so I was trying to pursue that. So I actually went out to Colorado State. There's one of the best schools to study. Um, the, the degree is called Rec, uh, Natural Resource Recreation and Tourism. Mm. And I had a concentration in like operating um, small businesses within natural resources. Um, uh, so the reason that I was, you know, partly able to go there was because when you have parents in two different locations, you get um, residency prices in Connecticut, but I also had residency price in Colorado, which meant that my schooling was like super cheap. There you go. Um, so that was a uh, that was the reason I was out there. Um, it was also good to be close to my stepmom, who was at that point when I went to. Uh, my my junior year of high school, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and um, she battled it uh, up until my um, senior year of or no my junior year of college. Mm. And uh, my stepmom and my dad have my younger youngest sister, who's like ten ten years younger than me. So it was a good time to be out there near them. Um, in those, in her last, her last days and, uh, to be with my younger sister and my dad, mm. um, that was a big part of being out there as well. Yeah. It's good to be close to family, um, during difficult and also happy times. So I, I understand that very well. Um, it's interesting. I, I worked for the state of Connecticut as a department of environmental protection as a lifeguard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a state park. But it was, you know, we had the park ranger, yeah. right? He was the guy that was in charge of the park. And I have a greater appreciation for it now than I did at 19. But yeah. Um, yeah. Re really interesting stuff. Um, now you're in college. Do you graduate with that, that, that focus um, or that major for, you know, wanting to be a park ranger? I did. Uh, I did graduate. Um in four years, it was great. <laughs> Congratulations! Most don't do that today, but <laughs> um, but it's definitely important to to note in this journey. Um, uh, probably a couple things. One is that in my time at master's school, um, I became or I gave my life to. Uh, to Christ, to Jesus Christ. And like, that's, that was really important, uh, part of my journey that like is undeniable. Um, and so like the faith, that faith intersection began to shift a lot of my thinking, mm -hmm. um, as well as change me. I mean, uh, personally in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, the other thing that happened was um, in the in my junior year or my senior year of high school, I began to to 
sort of relieve some of the tension that was in my life, I, I would say from my parents' divorce and, I don't know, various other things that were going on um, that were out of my control and um, I didn't know how to deal with. I mm -hmm. built up and I started to, you know, use drugs as a, a means to relieve a lot of that um, under the auspice of partying and, you know, um, which, which becomes really dangerous when you cross that line of, you know, is this just partying or is this like, you know, masking and relieving the tension that's underneath. And so yeah, a lot of that, mm. uh, you know, it provided a lot of relief for me for the next, you know, in a, in a provided relief, but, um, uh, brought all kinds of messes, uh, for the next like three years. Um, so uh, the first two years of my college experience were, um, just barely getting by school wise and digging in really deep into various drugs. Um, so it's important to note that as well, just because a lot of, um, those those addictions or a lot of the drugs that I was ex using um, are very addictive, and so uh, that was that I carried with me uh, for a while. And mm. when I got out of when I got out of um, college, um, I had finally stopped using drugs uh, blatantly, but um, I was still having relapses. And it kind of changed a little bit of the course of my life. Like I was not as interested because of, you know, all of that in um, being a park ranger necessarily anymore. And um, I, was, I was trying to re-engage with my faith. And so when I got back from um, college, I actually worked for a company or a, a nonprofit in the north end of Hartford called Hartford City Mission. Mm -hmm. And we uh, ran youth programs, Christian youth programs in the city and um, worked with, uh, you know, a lot of the kids who, uh, you know, were in tough situations in their homes and who actually lived in the community. Um, that was really good. And so kind of a very different direction than what my degree uh, was. Uh, no, for sure. And I, I applaud you. Um, for for overcoming all of that, I know um, you know drug addiction is not an easy thing to overcome. Some people just get succumbed into it and don't make it. Right? It, it ruins a lot of lives, and yeah. and and some people pay the ultimate price. So, kudos to you. Um, I, I don't have a hat on, but I'm tipping it to you for <laughs> for overcoming that um, and and doing you know great work with with kids and being a positive influence um did, i i mean this is probably a deep question and i don't know uh it, it probably could occupy the entire um talk but for somebody going through that what's the what would you say to them that could help them get through it and lead a, a you know get on the right path um it's a, I, I appreciate your your tipping your hat, and I think that what's interesting is when you talk to um, addicts who have recovered and are leading 
uh, a, a normal or exceptional lives. Um, almost all of them say that it's not by their hand. It's not their work. And, um, which sounds really weird. It's, it's, I think it's a mystery that has to be, um, uh, understood. And, and so, because, so we would have this idea. I, I think it kind of like, if you remember Indiana Jones, I think it was, um, the, the last one where, um, they're going into, I can't remember. Oh, they're trying to find the Holy Grail. Yeah. And there's like a chasm between the two points and they can't see the bridge. Um, and he has to, he has to take the step, but you know, in faith that the bridge is there. And, um, that's kind of like, uh, a little bit of how I see it. I mean, like to me, God was doing the work and I was just taking the steps and trying to, you know, make the next right step. And as I, as I did that, he placed them in the right places. Um, there's a scripture that says man plans, makes plans in his head, but God places his steps. And mm. so there is like this interesting interplay in my view between me and God and how he, um, how, how that works. It's like, um, it's really unique and special. It's a relation. Mm. And yeah. I, I really can't. And that's why it's weird, you know, like <laughs> to, uh, to take credit, um, just the way that he opened things for me as I, as I pursued, pursued him and pursued, um, his, his ways, he opened paths. He, he revealed things and made the way. Um, brought opportunities that I could have never, you know, made on my own, um, and, uh, really changed things, which is, you know, to a large degree where coffee came from anyways. So, because it was actually like coffee came out of, um, uh, recovery, um, to, you know, I was, I was in recovery and at that point, at this point I was married to my wife and, um, uh, we didn't know really what we were going to do while I was in recovery. Um, and, uh, we happened to go out to, uh, a wedding, one of my wife's friends out in Kentucky area. And we had a, an opportunity to visit another one of her friends while we were out there, but we were kind of like, should we go? I don't know. It was like right on the, the line and we we're like, let's just go. And so we went and, um, we uh, visited her friend and her friend's husband, this guy named Justin Carabello was actually um, roasting coffee and uh, giving the profits to an orphanage. And it was just like this really interesting thing that was going on. Um, and I had thought about roasting coffee before I love coffee. And he, um, he kind of helped me get over that line mm. and so to me, like that, that right there, you know, it's like this, this opportunity that just came out of nowhere and like, um, really, really inspired me. And, uh, right when I got back home, we, I started, you know, I got a popcorn popper and started buying small quantities of coffee from this website called Sweet Maria's and 
um, roasting it. And we actually went with them that summer on a trip to work at the orphanage. They were, they were um, supporting with the sales of the coffee. And uh, during that trip, we actually visited our first coffee farm as well. Uh, with one of now, who is one of our, our longest time coffee farmers that we work with. Mm. Uh, we, that, so to me, God just started putting the pieces together and, and leading us down a, a different path and um, uh, giving us something new. Yeah, it's amazing how the universe unfolds, right? Yeah. Whether you, whether you plan for it or not. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it definitely is amazing. I want to just switch gears a little bit because we're definitely going to talk about the Give story and and how how it started. I um I did my homework, so I I know that I, I want to embellish a little bit more on the Kentucky story and and so forth. But I want to learn a little bit more about you as a person, the habits, choices, things you do that make you who you are. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about? your daily routine. I have this book called Routines, or I think it's called that. And it has all these different chapters on people, you know, ranging from like famous artists and movie makers and all the things, the daily habits they have. But, um, and it's, it's kind of insightful um, to see what different people do um, to, to like start their day and stuff. So when you start your day, are, are you an early riser or night owl? Um. I don't know. It depends. It depends a little on the day. Um, sometimes, like, in the season, we have a, an 11-month-old and a 9-year-old and a 7-year-old. So uh, seasonally right now, you know, with an 11-month-old, it, things change quite often as far as, like, you know, when he's waking up or not. Yeah. And so um, right now I, I've been waking up at uh, – 6 a.m. So not not crazy early, and uh, that's not too bad. Yeah. So, and, and and any morning rituals that you have? Do you meditate? Do you? Uh, I don't know. Have a coffee? I'm yeah. assuming. <laughs> yeah. No. It's there's definitely. Um, I so. Um, we have a, I have a space in our basement that we recently set up. It's kind of a, a place I can shut the door and um, actually even have like a, a, a code with our kids, you know, that <laughs> I, if I hang this thing on the doorknob, it means, um, you know, they'll come down. If not, they can come down. So it's like a really protected space. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I usually get coffee and then, go down there and um and that's that's a really special space to me and it's it's not just that space itself but that the idea of um uh seeking the lord seeking jesus and so for me that's uh, there the the scriptures talk about uh, it says those who wait on the lord um will renew their strength uh, they will rise up and soar on wings like eagles. And um, waiting is an interesting idea. Uh, scripturally, in the Bible, it's it's something that is. Um, I kind of think of it like 
you're waiting, you know, if you went to, uh, to, to an, a dentist, to a dentist appointment and you're in the waiting room, you have expectation that eventually that person's going to call you in and say, all right, it's time. Um, yep. <laughs> so there's, there's a process, uh, for me of waiting on the Lord. And that, that's, that's partly why that room is guarded because sometimes, you know, it takes longer for me to, um, to, uh, get to that place where like I would say he changes me mm-hmm. he, he softens my heart he humbles me he removes fear um, there's also a, a scripture that says do not be anxious about anything but uh, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, that space is all about that for me. Um, reading his word, which I believe that the scriptures are, are God's words to us. And that's how he speaks and, um, praying. And, uh, um, that's when he, he, uh, comes and meets with me and fills me up and, um, and, and changes things for me. It's, it's an amazingly powerful time. And that can take anywhere from, 45 minutes to four hours. Um, mm. and, but the, for me, like, I don't, I don't want to leave that space until he has finished his work. And, um, and that's that, you know, do I get to get down there every morning? Um, I probably get to get down there solidly four times a week. And, um, other other times, you know, the baby wakes up, or there's some thing going on, or you know. <laughs> but it's a, it's a place of um, of of you know, for me, of deep deep work, and yeah, and it's just this treasure. It's like there's other scriptures that say that um, that he is like a, a pearl of, of great value, or a, uh, another one says it's like a treasure hidden in a field that a, a person finds and they immediately go to the owner of that field and they buy that field, you know, like to me, you know, I will, he comes first. And, um, cause I genuinely believe that his way is just so much better than mine. <laughs> and so, um, there's also another, I'm big on scriptures, but another one says, seek, these are the things I use, you know, and uh, another one says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, um, and, uh, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so like just the idea that like he comes first, like, and I trust him. It's been amazing how, when I do seek him first, he mm-hmm. does just like put things in order. He, he brings, um, brings about peace, um, and all of those things because, it's complex running a business. It's, it's very, um, it's complex being a dad. It's complex just being a human, um, in this world, especially today. Uh, it's hard to know who's telling the truth, what's right, what's wrong. So, um, it definitely is, (laughs) but it, it, it sounds like you are, you know, um, your, your space, I mean, is a place of deep connection and reflection and, and, and inspiration. Um, you know, that's, that's, uh, um, a lot of people don't take the time to do that. And, and that's pretty inspiring. Um, 
But, you know, kind of piggybacking off of all of that, um, what would you say is the thing that you're most proud of in either your accomplishments or mm. business world or life in general? Hmm. Life in general, I would say, um, uh, I guess, I, you know, I would say my relationship with Jesus is like, a, I, I'm, I, I, Paul says like, you know, boast in that and like so it's an interesting thing to boast in but it's like i boast in him but um i'd say that's huge and then um uh, also like my children i just am unbelievably proud of them um uh, and they are incredibly valuable and my wife um yeah we're just, mm. we, we have a uh, an amazing family and um, it's just really a gift to have. And, um, you know, luckily, and uh, or we were blessed that, you know, my children are um, don't have to experience any of the my addiction past. Like, it's, it's done. It's, it's gone. Um, you know, and so it's really neat to, to have a, a complete family in that way. Um, Mm. And uh, it's just so special. And so that, you know, it's usually the order that I would go in here. It's like I'm proud of my relationship with Jesus and yeah. proud of my family. And then uh, the next thing that flows down is, I'm, uh, you know, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the business and um, just just what he's done. I think there's there's been a lot of um, just, just running the business well and with integrity and with um, – you know, following, following uh, his lead, God's lead in the business, like it, it's really amazing. You know, the impact that that can have. It, obviously, honesty is at the highest, highest level. You know, like sure. and integrity and all the pieces. And so, you know, when we go to visit a farmer, like that's just dictating how we're going to operate. You know, like um, there, there, there's just. What's interesting is like when you believe this, what the Bible said, there's promises. And like, so, you know, if, if the scripture says like, take care of the poor, Jesus said, take care of the poor, you know, he's huge on, on injustice and all of those things that like in our business, I can trust him when I go to a farmer and um, that farmer needs a better life. Like I can trust that paying that farmer more than you know anyone else would maybe um, is going to be okay because God will make up for it somewhere else for us. Like He, he promises to provide. And so, like it's just interesting that like if that can happen, you know. So um, and how that that works. Uh, yeah, it frees us up from like the chains of like the systems and the, you know, uh, the worries of where is the money going to come from that, uh, uh, opens our hands to serve in so many ways. Um, so, um, that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of our employees, just like the way that we've been able to serve them as well. And, um, uh, we have a very like flat organization and, um, pretty relationally driven, in how we operate um, in the company, 
and you know we've made mistakes in the past employee wise and we continue to try to to learn from those and to be better and to, to listen and provide more opportunities so that's huge what would you say that your leadership style is like you know with with that entire ecosystem of of people you work with um Let's see, my leadership style. Um, I like to, like, I really want to see people, like, the other thing over seven years with employees that I've learned is that everyone's so different and um, it's huge. And so, a big part of what I feel like I do now is trying to figure out, you know, like, who is. Some people have certain personalities that lend towards other things that need a different approach uh, than other people. Um, uh, and so my, my style is trying to find, you know, what, what that personality type is and then learning how to inspire them, inspire them in, um, in their work and make it meaningful and um, keep them kind of going coffee is an endless journey of discovery if you'll engage in it um, every day you can discover something new and it, it never really ends and so um, I feel like my job here is uh, a big part is to continue to inspire people and to tell the stories of the farmers to to remind everyone like why we do what we do and um, but also to lead uh, to be a servant leader, to serve, um, to listen, to um, observe, to be patient with with our with our staff, but also to be relentless in our pursuit. So it's it's a weird balance of you know quality, like the, the level of quality that we're going for requires like that we don't settle for good enough ever, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, that that can be intense and but it can also be like there can be times of just like deep frustration you know not being able to figure out you know why we're not able to get a product quite right um, and and but sticking with that and pursuing it to the end and and reaping the benefit of the reward when that cup of coffee that you have been working on for the last month like is now finally tasting, um, you know, way better than it did. So, you know, we're never, it's a weird, like we're, 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 it's a weird balance of contentment. Um, but also like this pursuit or understanding that in contentment, like we're pursuing a higher level of, of, um, product quality. Mm. Part of the, the lifestyle, I feel like, like um, is, is and, and so trying to teach that and help and, and get our staff to catch that um, is largely what I feel like I'm doing or what I do as a, as a leader. So inspiring, I guess, maybe we do a lot of tasting together and um, discussions about the farmers, um, which is really, really helpful. And there's nothing like you know, getting our staff on board with who we work with and their stories. Um, 
uh, that just will inspire so quickly. But it's also easy to forget, so. You're in Kentucky, you meet with some friends, you're at a wedding, and you, you get turned on to this idea of roasting coffee, and then you come back to Connecticut, and you're tinkering around at home with beans that you were ordering online and then roasting them and, and, and so forth. But when, when did the idea click for you of starting Give? When did that happen? Um, so when we came, there's a couple points that were really interesting in the story. One is when we visited that farm in Nicaragua that year, we brought home 80 pounds of coffee. It's a lot of coffee. In our backpacks. And... Uh, <laughs> through LAX, it was interesting, and um, we. So then it was kind of like, well, you know, now we have eighty pounds of coffee. Like we need to roast this, and so it kind of gave us, inspired us to, my wife and I to, you know, email our friends for Christmas and you know get this coffee to people, and then uh, use it as a way to give money back to that orphanage that we worked at that our friends turned us onto there. In Nicaragua, and so that's what we did. So, to a certain degree, you might say that's when it started. Was that 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 year? Uh, okay. But um, the the next big one, so uh, was the following year. So, during the beginning of this journey, I was also like thinking about becoming a nurse, and I was in nursing school, and um, I was just about like I had just finished my prerequisite courses. And so that summer, I was about to actually enter into the nursing program, and um, I was at, I was in the program, and but my wife and I we were going back and forth, and we had the coffee company thing, and we felt like it might be something. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting at the computer, uh, and. There, there, it was like one click, I can't remember what it was on, that would disengage uh, me or like I would basically be removing myself from the, the nursing program. And um, it was like that weird moment of like I pushed the button, you know. <laughs> and like, like, oh, wow, it's done. Yeah, <laughs> I can't go back now. Yeah. I think it was an email to someone that I was hitting send, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that terrifying moment, but yeah. great sense of maybe that great sense of relief after, and and you know the adventure begins. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the name. I, I think I know the meaning. Give right. It, it. Were you sitting around brainstorming, or how did you come up with the name? Uh, we're yeah, we're just in the car talking about it. You know, what could we call this? My wife and I, and she was like, "What about give coffee?" And um, we're like, great, that's awesome. So then we started digging into that name, and I think we basically just found out that um, we couldn't get givecoffee.com, and so we dropped the E, and um, it also kind of like created a brand of sorts. And so yeah. we went with that. And so <laughs> well, what I like about it, because this is the world I'm in, right, is – it invites a little bit of intrigue, which then gives you the opportunity to tell the story, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's so important for a brand or a company, whether you're a 
small company or a, a, a massive conglomerate, but um, you know, kind of, I'll just tell you my give story. It caught my attention. I, I you know, I, I, I live in Hartford, so I pop into Story and Soil yeah. every now and then, yeah. and I was like, "What is this coffee? I've never heard of." You know, and I'm waiting to get my coffee, and I'm just kind of reading the bag, and mm. and I'm like, "Oh, they're actually making the coffee here." You know, so I would get a coffee and then started buying um, a bag or two. Oh. And, and yeah, and I, you know, my coffee journey, I, I would say COVID or, you know, the COVID era pandemic, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, got me a little bit deeper into coffee. Tell me the, the, the give story. Not only do you guys have incredibly high standards and, and, and work with specific farmers and, and, and pay fair wages, but you give back. So kind of tell, tell us the, the, the story about that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you're a, um, a marketing person, yeah. You ever heard of like <laughs> the bowling balls thing? Like if you throw somebody one bowling ball, they'll probably catch it. If you throw them two, they might catch that second one. If you throw them three, they're just going to lose them all. <laughs> yes. So I would think about that. <laughs> so we, we have three. <laughs> three things that we do. And so I think it kind of, people pick up, can usually handle about two of them. But um, our three big things are giving back. So we support um, the orphanage in Nicaragua. We support an anti-human trafficking um uh, nonprofit in Thailand and a farmer development program in Zimbabwe um, and Hartford City Mission in Hartford. And so these are all projects that are close to us that my wife and I have actually worked with closely. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the, the giving side, which was what we were at from the beginning. Um, so that would be the start point. The next thing that kind of came along was quality. So we're, we we sought this like um, unrelenting pursuit of quality, meaning like kind of what I was talking about, just like continue never being like this is good enough, but continuing to push um, in a scientific way, usually, you know, like um, coffee. And, and be better at it, to roast it better, to buy better green coffee, to taste it better, all of those things uh, became, started to build into the company. And that, that was also different. There's, there's not a ton of co coffee companies that, that um, give back. And um, like there's some philanthropic co coffee companies that are supporting stuff, but they usually um, uh, lack quality and that drive for quality. Um, there are, there are a few, you know, we're not the only, but, um, so we wanted to be a part of that mm -hmm. towards the higher quality. And then also, so then as we grew along, um, we, we were, and as the industry developed, we were able to, uh, start to develop more relationships with farmers in different countries, um, that we could, um, relationships where, you know, uh, an actual farm relationship program where we're committing to buy from these farmers each year and, um, and we visit them and uh, we kind of have a, a program where it's like, you know, we give them three years. So it's like, if you have down quality for two years in a row, like 
that third year we might not buy again, um, it, which is kind of neat because it allows for the farmer to go through struggles that they might have, you know, family issues or um, weather. But typically we find that after two years of down quality, um, and then, I mean, we're not talking down, down, but we're able to use that coffee somewhere else um, uh, other than like, you know, single really high level stuff. Um, but after that, and this has actually only happened with one farmer that, um, he just couldn't quite ever get it together. And I think he actually moved out of coffee eventually anyways. So Mm. it's just been neat to commit to them and to feel the commitment back, um, and to actually relate with the farmers. And so that, that's kind of the, and it's neat to see him come back around year after year and to kind of represent them um so there's an amazing amount of people who know um Mauro Basante or Leonardo Rosero or you know some of these Dionisio Hernandez so it's interesting because they keep coming back year after year you know cycle after crop cycle and so um it's neat to to put them at the the forefront like that and um, treat them well and um, all that stuff. So you, you make great coffee. I've seen it. And I mentioned, I buy it in places like story and soil. I've even seen it in whole foods and so on. Um, but you've also got a cafe and and roasting facility in, in, in Canton. What's the plan for give or what's the vision for the future? Um, the vision right now is to continue to, to build our reputation and our integrity. And that's um, becoming like a, a fixture and a trusted you know, um, company in the area. Not just uh, a large degree, I think that takes time and um, patience. We're not overly aggressive. Um, I don't really have any plans to open any new cafes, especially in this employee market and the economy right, right now. Um, and, and, and not necessarily for us, it's mostly because we don't necessarily need to, that would be, an, um, uh, and we don't, we don't want to stress our current systems like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we want to continue to provide and build, good relationships with the cafes and people that we distribute coffee to and make sure they're well supported and, um, and, and kind of be like a, an anchoring sort of stability for the coffee scene in Connecticut. And, um, I, I just have found like it can be risky to, to, to engage in growth because you can lose that anchoring stability um you can you you can begin to make um decisions that you wouldn't have made and um so that that's a big big thing i want to make sure that we continue to to be available to make the right decisions to be supportive and um to build slowly and sustainably we're also working with um farmers and and you know growing our farm program like 
is is a big deal because it's like okay we will now be working with you forever and ever you know that's like yeah. we see it and so like if we engage in something that's not sustainable here then it's not sustainable for them either um and they can be right back in the same spot same with our employees same with um everybody around us and so uh, i've really found and i think that there's like a sweet spot that um you can hit and i've seen other businesses hit it where they just can can stay their course and you know create something that lasts for generations instead of just just my generation and i think part of that is 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 thinking that way like hey you know i have kids maybe they're going to take this over and you know they'll be able to take the baton however they want my um my sister-in-law is um alexi deline and she's uh third third generation in deline flooring a big uh flooring company in connecticut mm. it's been really neat to like hear her stories about her grandfather and you know how he began it and i i feel like i i i relate to him i don't know him but i i <laughs> I, i can think like him you know like there's this pioneering wave of the first generation and 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 holding it together and and creating an, an integrity over time that doesn't falter Yeah. Um, and then being able to pass that on to your your child and then say or or to someone whoever's next and to say like here's this thing you know like use your energy now and, and take it in this next generation which is what her dad did and he expanded and now it's so neat to see that company in I, I actually grew up with her brother at high school um Rich and um to see Rich and Alexi as this third generation and the energy that they're putting into the companies. So it's just like that stuff is inspiring to me to think three generations out, you know, is Oh yeah. phenomenal and, uh, and <laughs> so it, it yeah, it's amazing. I mean, for a while we worked with um Lyman Orchards. Oh yeah. Um and you know, John Lyman, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um worked with him for three, four years. Um, and eighth, eighth generation <laughs> family business. I mean, they were, I think they're like the second or third oldest in Connecticut. They were definitely like in the country in like the top 20 or something oldest businesses. It's just inspiring to, you know, inspiring, challenging, all of that wrapped into one on, on how to like keep a, keep a, a family, um, business going something that was created back in like the 1700s to to today i mean it, it's unbelievable um but i hear loud and clear what you're saying and you know and it, and i jotted this down because i wonder you know i i think of like the microbreweries in connecticut that scene is like exploded i wonder you know if we'll have a coffee scene that gets to be that big because i i there are I, you know, maybe I'm more aware of it, but there, there are a lot of great Connecticut roasters that are, you know, have been here and new ones that have come along. And I, I just wonder if we're getting like, um, maybe we're slowly getting to like a better coffee culture. Yeah. Yeah. Roasters. I mean, if you look seven years ago when we opened our cafe, there was not much going on. 
and um, here we are seven years later. And I think you can you can go to almost any town and get like a really thoughtful, exceptional cup of coffee. Like there's there's fewer and fewer towns, you know. Like Weathersfield used to, or um, uh, Wallingford used to be one of the towns you was still kind of lacking like a really high level coffee. Mm -hmm. Two cafes are opening, one definitely focused, which is cool. Um, Watertown is getting a cafe uh, in this by the end of this year, maybe in November they're opening. So it's just like, it's neat to, to see the, the holes filling in, so to speak. Um, and there's less and less places now where people are like, you know, why is there not a cafe in such and such a town yeah. you know, that we really like, or like a, a, a high end or, or not high end, but just like a higher grade um, specialty coffee shop. So yeah. being able to be a part of that and see that and train people. I mean, I think part of our program is training baristas for these cafes. And I think, or for some of them, they utilize it. I think I've trained in the last seven years close to 200 different baristas. And so um, it's neat to see that, like, that's a slow, like, you know, raising of the understanding of coffee in our state is, is that education and seeing people go on to different shops and move around. And so overall, you know, so it's a slow journey, like, to get coffee up. To, to speed in Connecticut, but I think those are big parts of it, um, is education, training, and support. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's happening. It's definitely happening, which is awesome. Um, okay. Someone comes up to you and says they want to start a coffee business. What's the first piece of advice you give them? Um, a big one that I would say is uh, first – work in a coffee company and like put in time and you know work from the bottom and I, I heard this actually with um, I think it's Dan Miser I can't remember if that how to say his last name uh, one of the or the owner who started Oyster Club and places in Mystic um, I don't know if you know him or oh yeah yep I know I know both those uh, <laughs> places down there. Yeah, so Grass, yep. Part of his story was he asked that question of, of I think, um, I'm not going to get it wrong, but anyways, I just remember him saying like <laughs> the person who gave him advice said, go work on the line in a kitchen. <laughs> you know? and, like, that was huge for him, you know, and like uh, in, in developing an understanding of what a restaurant's like. And so I think for me, you know, uh, if I could go, we, we, we were an odd company as far as quality goes. There's not a lot of um, quality-focused companies like ours that, uh, that are self-taught, so to speak. A lot of them, the companies that open are actually, that are doing roasting um, at a high level, are actually people who were trained by another company that was already doing that and then they left and started their own because it's really a lot of information and very challenging thing to to um, to roast coffee well mm. um, and so 
if I could do it again, and that's what I'm thinking, if I were giving advice, I would, I would have worked for a company. The problem was there wasn't a lot available in the day that we were starting, so it was for me to work at, and so it was more of a pioneering experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, now Which some- there's places you could work, you know, to yeah. get that experience. And then, so. But that's okay. Pioneering sometimes is the, the way to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. have to, and so... You know, that's the other thing. People say, oh, well, there's no competition. It should be great. And it's like, well, if there's no competition, that means there's may not be a market. And so there's also a lot of um, market development that had to happen back then. So yeah, stuff. <laughs> okay, my final question. Um, I listened to a podcast on NPR that's hosted by Guy Raz. Um, Oh, cool. Called how I built how I built this. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's really good. Um, he does a lot better job than I do, but um, uh, but he also gets paid a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, I I I, I uh, the reason I reference this is I I really enjoy the question he asks. So I'm stealing it, borrowing it, whatever we want to call it. Um, how much of your success has been pure luck, and how much of it is from your grit and intelligence? Um, well, I guess, yeah, I would, I would say not luck, but I would say, you know, God's work. And I, and so like, kind of like what we were talking about, he's placed my steps. And so I think it's, 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 it's 50, 50, maybe, um, uh, like an interesting story is when we started the company, Early on, I was like, we needed to develop a wholesale program. And it was really difficult. I went around to so many people trying to get our, our product into restaurants and various places. And nobody really understood what we were doing and wanted to have anything to do with it because they didn't know who we were and what we did. Mm. Um, and uh, a friend of ours, um, Chris Nelson, um, who uh, is associated with Millwrights, um, is right next door. He's, um, I spoke to him one day, actually, and he was like, well, you know, maybe I could get you a meeting with, with the guys at Millwrights, um, and you could, you know, show them what you do. And, and he did that, and he actually got me a meeting with AJ. And uh, that was the first shot, you know? Like, I went in there, and I was like you know, doing my best to show them what we do. And, um, and Tyler came out at, at one point and he tried the espresso and he was like, this is good. You know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and that was that, that was it. And, um, so I can't tell you how big of a deal that was. Like, um, that was our shot and that changed everything. Um, because working with them got us like cracked open the restaurant door, so to speak. And, um, and so we got to at that point to build our reputation with, you know, everybody in the, in the restaurant, you know, the managers and people would move on and go somewhere else and then recommend using our coffee. Um, so we worked really hard to develop our, our reputation with them, but it was just like, you know, it was one meeting 
and like <laughs> and that um you know to me was you know someone called luck i would say that was divine and so um that that was that was what kind of kicked off so much so um yeah, I, I, you know, I'm so thankful for those guys giving an opportunity. It's neat to see them continue to give opportunities to other people. Uh, mm-hmm. They're such a, a neat team. And um, Tyler's, yeah, he really has a, an amazing heart. Um, I've learned a lot from them. <laughs> oh, man. So. <laughs> yeah, I love to see people in positions of influence or power or however we want to say it, give people a chance and opportunity because I almost think it's a part of like their responsibility, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, um, I, I see it a lot like in the music world where I'm very passionate about, um, electronic music and, and, you know, it's great when you see somebody who's established and has worldwide fame open the door and give the opportunity to somebody new yeah. ver- versus being like guarded and, you know, no, this is, this is my thing. You're, I, I can't let you in. So I, I love that. Um, okay. Wow. We talked about a lot of things. Um, I guess the final, final question will be um, if there's anything else you want anyone to know about give, um, what would you want them to know? Um, I think we covered it, you know, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, just, just get a good coffee, right? <laughs> we, we have good coffee with a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to ever stop pursuing more and more <laughs> quality and service and becoming better um and uh, yeah i guess that's one thing we didn't talk about too much but i've also found our cafe to be come out and get a cup of coffee we have uh, been able to create a culture here that is pretty special with our the way that um in our in our cafe we we value quality and the product really highly but there's a major emphasis also on um our baristas being friendly and really reaching out. And so we hear story after story of people coming in down and leaving up, you know, and it's the cup of coffee is great, but I still think that um, those people leave up because of the conversation and the discussions they have with our staff. And that culture is, is just amazing to me. It's, it can be really powerful community changing type stuff. So, um, it's really, it's really neat to see. So that that's a big one. Come out, you know, let us serve you. And uh, um, let's not only give you a really good cup of coffee, but um, good conversation and encouragement. Excellent. Well, I will say that I've been there. So head on out, Route 44, Canton. Um, give coffee. It's, it's a great place to visit. So, well, listen... Thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time, Jeff. I, I really appreciate it. And yeah. thanks for being on the show. Thank you.
And there we have it, my friends. That's Jeff Brooks from Give Coffee. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and maybe you learned a thing or two about coffee. I sure did. Now, if you want to find out more about them or visit the cafe, visit givecoffee.com. Upfront is brought to you by Mason. Creatively obsessed and fixated on results, Mason leverages technology, entertainment, and culture to create bold, fearless ideas. It's time to make your brand more valuable. Challenge accepted. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit mason23.com or send us an email, hello at mason23.com. That does it for this one. Until the next time, we'll see you. Take care.